0: Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos december 7th tuesday
1: night 603 mountain time means it's time for an episode of building the broncos i am your host nick kendall and joined by as always my good friend and co-host carl dummer carl how you doing buddy
2: i'm doing good man i've spent a little bit of time today fixing my computer which is always a a fun task to do but you know otherwise it's it's a nice december day i guess you could say and and life is still good Uh, even, even with the broncos losing bad this weekend and it I know a lot of people are pretty amped up about all of that and and we'll get into it, but you know, not all is lost, thankfully in life. And, uh, so yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. And happy to talk some Bronco football, even in a difficult time.
1: All right, and let's get into it. Let's say hello to everybody in the chat right now. We got Diamond Rattler saying, boom, let's go. Always good to see you, Diamond. Dylan Von Arks is in the house, too. Sup, Broncos country. Make sure you guys hit that like button on the way in. Amen to that. Jay's in the house, too, saying, for Vic's sake, if he is trying to be back next year, they better not lose to the Lions at <laughs> home. Ugh, is this a make or break game for Vic Fangio's future in Denver, Carl? Oh
2: well, yeah, this is the easiest game left on your schedule by far. If you lose this one, playoffs are just not happening. I'm sorry. If you lose to the to the Lions in a must win game, especially at home, it just it, the writing's on the wall. Even if you make the playoffs, yeah. I think the embarrassment of losing to the Lions at home might be enough to get you fired.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. Um, this is a game where maybe it doesn't matter as much with the divisional or conference tiebreakers. But if you're losing to the lions, you're not rattling off four straight after that. And every game you have to have at this point. So I agree with you. It is a must win. And if they don't win this game, uh heads will roll, right? I know that the lions just beat the Vikings, but Denver at home with the way their defense has been playing the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they should be able to get after golf. Um, as long as Honestly, the thing that scares me a little bit is the Lions run game is starting to come together and the Broncos run defense has not been very good, but maybe this is one where you see a little bit more crowding the box, single high safety looks to get more bodies and run fits and say, Jared Goff, beat us deep, please make my day.
2: <laughs> yeah, they, they've been better than their record shows. I, I would say, I mean, they've had a lot of close games. Yeah, they lost the La Ravens on a record setting field goal. And the Steelers, obviously, they took them into overtime, should have won that game on some missed field goals. So there's been a few games they could have easily turned those into victories, but it's still a bad team. And you got to win against the bad teams, especially when you're a a middle-of-the-road kind of team like the Broncos are right now. You can't afford to drop one like this.
0: Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tickpick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and
1: ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price.
0: That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. And
1: overall, I mean, I would say this season the Broncos have beaten bad teams. Uh, The only game this year where I would argue maybe they didn't beat a quote unquote bad team. Maybe that Steelers game week five. I mean, I don't I don't respect that Steelers offensive line, and they had the Denver for some somehow they beat Denver that week. But I don't think they're a very good squad. Um, and also the uh, the Raiders the week after John Gruden was fired those two hurt a lot. And I guess you can say yeah. the Browns too with Case Keenum. But um, for the most part, the Broncos have beaten the quote unquote bad teams. The Lions might be the worst team they've played this season right there right now they've earned so far the season ended today they'd have the number one overall pick um but you know it's the nfl broncos are actually favored by less in this lions game than the chiefs were versus denver on sunday night <laughs> so um uh, eight points uh spread right now so you know we'll see what happens but the broncos should beat that game they should win this game i'm definitely you know we unless something drastic happens comes out here in the next couple of days i'm gonna pick the broncos to cover the spread in that game and they should win if they don't you know Good luck, uh, Vic Fangio and all these guys. You'll be looking for new work next year. Uh, we got yeah. Miguel Santa Steven coming in here saying, Good evening, Jets. Congratulations to Justin Simmons on the three-peat of Walter Payton Man of the Year. Yeah, you guys, make sure you are getting out there and voting for Justin Simmons for Walter Payton Man of the Year. We also got Louis Condon coming in here with Facebook Stars. Thank you so much, Louis, for your support. And um, yeah, shout out to Justin Simmons again. I Did you did you watch that video with uh, I did. Steve Atwater?
2: Yeah, awesome. I mean, what, what a cool way to get to find out that you're the Walter Payton man of the year. One of the people he probably looked up to at the safety position growing up and obviously has been mentored at some, a a little bit there with the Broncos organization and uh, just getting that opportunity just to to have that kind of video played for him. And it it was, it was pretty awesome. And Justin Simmons, man, you couldn't ask for a better, I, I would call him face of the franchise. He's a great player on the field. Honestly, he's gotten better as the season's gone on. He is looking like maybe the first or second best safety in football right now, making plays left and right. Honestly, he's dropped about four interceptions this year. He could be leading the NFL in in interceptions. Uh, But like I said, then off the field, what this guy brings to the Denver community, uh, just left and right, he just, he does. He's such a cool guy, and I'm so glad that he's a Denver Bronco.
1: Yeah, and uh, Justin Simmons, maybe not having the best season this year, um, I think probably if I was voting right now, if there was like a single safety that would get the number one, nod, it'd be a Kevin Byard uh, for Tennessee. Who's been having a phenomenal season out there, but Simmons has been really good. So uh, like you said on and off the field, he's what you want for a Denver Bronco. Um, very intelligent, very involved in the community and when good people are good players on your team, and that's just, you know, that makes the world go around. It makes it so much more fun to cover this team and to follow this team. Mr. Stumeet coming in saying, how's it? How you doing, Mr. Stumeet? It's uh, always good to see you in here. We also have a question from uh, Corey Johnson saying, maybe we can rework Vic's contract and move him to defensive coordinator next season. Who wouldn't want an easier job for, some, for the same pay? What, uh, what do you think on this one, Carl?
2: Well, I, you have to give credit to the defense in this last game. Yep. They played one of their better games against one of the best quarterbacks out there, obviously, and uh, Patrick Mahomes. They shut down that offense. They did their job.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, like they, they won. And credit to Vic, this defense, especially what now four of the last five weeks has played lights out. They've played like a top five defense. And, and so, yeah, if you could bring him back as a defensive coordinator, more power to you. I just, I can't see that happening. I, nobody likes to take that kind of demotion in the same organization that you're a part of.
1: Yeah. It just creates too many weird power dynamics in the locker room with who answers to who, who's the one that's leading the meetings, et cetera, et cetera. So you just, you don't see that happening unless it's somebody who's like been and more likely in college, but they've been a part of the program for a long time and they're moving Mm -hmm. on to more of a CEO kind of role or offensive assistant quality assurance kind of thing, because it's their retire. They need to take a less on their plate, Uh, being involved in the organization versus this pure demotion uh, that Corey's talking about here. But we appreciate the comment, Corey. Just don't see that happening. Uh, Brian Van Vorst coming in here uh, saying, we need to fire and passion with every member of the coaching staff. Sticking his thumbs under his armpits and sulking on the sideline hasn't gotten him anywhere. Obviously talking about Vic Fangio. And uh, I don't disagree with the sentiment here about fire and passion, but people are different and leadership styles are different too. And what works for some guys isn't going to work for others. Like if Bill Belichick was out here screaming about biting off kneecaps, it would What the hell are you doing, Bill? Like that's you're not being authentic to who you are as a leader. Um, Or if Sean McVay came out and started being really curmudgeoning, you know, that's, that's not the type of player they are. So I think it's more important outside of the fire and passion. Obviously you have to have passion, but to be authentic to who you are as a coach. And I think for Vic, that also means that surrounding yourself with the right kind of guys to push those buttons. Like if you know that you are not connecting with the players, the best or the rah, rah, you need to have some rah, rah guys in there. Yeah. Um, but that's just knowing who you are as a leader and setting yourself up to be the best leader as po- as possible. In my opinion. Right.
2: And that could be where the hiring of Pat Shermer, cause he's not a rah, rah guy at all. You don't really have many rah, rah coaches at this point. Bill Kolar. <laughs> I was going to say Kolar
1: red herring. Is yeah for some colorful language?
2: Yeah. See, you, you got a couple people, but in the really main positions, head coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, none of them are known as that rah-rah kind of guy. And, uh, you know, that's why you and I have talked about what we're looking for in, in the next Broncos head coach, if that's what happens for this team. We're looking for kind of a player's coach, a guy that really does well to connect to players. Maybe he's not as good at the X's and O's as Vic Fangio is but maybe he does better to connect to players and kind of brings the team back together. Uh, you know, it, it just, you kind of see this ebb and flow in the NFL of you fire one coach. So you kind of go in the opposite direction. And then if that doesn't work, you go back in the other direction. And you know, it, it just, like you said, there, there's different kinds of coaches out there that work. Yeah. I mean, Andy Reed isn't really known as a, a big time, like in your face, yelling and screaming kind of guy. He's pretty laid back. Uh, I I've, I've met Andy Reed and uh like everybody just gravitated towards him and he just was like the most relaxed guy just sitting there talking having having a good old time uh and like i said bill belichick not a not a yell in your face kind of guy i mean every once in a while he gets fired up but it's it's very seldom yeah
1: Absolutely. Uh, Andrew Baker coming in with the stars. Thank you so much, Andrew, for the support. Always coming in and uh, always love the last name Baker, too. That's my favorite uh, peak out here in the Pacific Northwest. Mount Baker, man. Beautiful. Um, The unknown is the spice of life. But man, Broncos unknown sucks. No one wants to root for not making the playoffs. Hashtag MHH for life. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. I mean, that's that's why you play the game, though, right? Uh, you never know what's going to happen when you take the field. So having the unknown is important. And I think that Scott may disagree with me on this one on the back end, but there's a lot of things with parity right now across the league. And that means that a lot of fan bases are bought in, right? There's a, almost every single team in the league has five to seven wins right now, legitimately yep. like five to seven wins. And you know, very opposite end of the bell curve huh, on yeah. some of those teams, but everybody's, a lot of teams are in it. And uh, the unknown is going to make this last five games really exciting. And the best, most important football games the Broncos have had in half a decade.
2: Right. Well, I mean, the, the Broncos are 12th out of 16 teams in the, in the AFC and they're half game out of being in the playoffs. Yep. I mean, that, that's how, how close this is. Like you said, I mean, any of these teams could catch fire here in December. I mean, who saw the the Steelers winning this last weekend against the the Ravens when they've been looking pretty bad here lately. Uh, It just, you never know what's going to happen. That's what you love about the NFL week to week. I've had this argument with people about college football compared to the NFL. My one big problem with college football is about half the season are games that the the winner's already been decided. Yeah. It it just, there's very little parity. The the top five teams are usually pretty close to being the same top five teams at the end of the year. This year is a little different because Michigan went from unranked to
0: obviously second
2: place but uh but that, that that's very rare that that kind of thing happens and and so for the nfl one year i mean patriots missed playoffs last year now they're looking like maybe the best team in in the afc yeah just amazing how things can change
1: yeah uh i will say that in college at least you kind of have a rotation of names due to just guys graduating stuff where if you have a franchise elite quarterback every year, you know, that there's not much changing there um, yep. when you have that kind of guy, but uh, we got Lando Lee coming in and talk about uh, showing up uh, being consistent. Lando has been uh, helping us and contributing to multiple shows here that I've been in recently. So thank you so much, Lando. Uh, we appreciate that over on Facebook. We also got Trevor checking in from Facebook evening fellows, go Broncos. Mark Linda is in the house. Howdy Broncos country, Nick, Carl and Scott. It's always great to see you. Travis is in the house too. Good evening, Nick and Carl and Broncos country. Uh, Travis, man, good luck to you guys in the, uh, the Rose Bowl. It's not my hawkeyes going against you but Ohio State versus Utah should be a heck of a game. Ooh. Um that's I'm I'm really excited for the Rose Bowl this year. So good luck to Utah. I'll probably be cheering for Ohio State because of the Big 10. Um but uh you know, that's I'm not rooting against Utah. Uh so we'll put it that way. Travis Tarbox coming in. I know he's uh, probably rooting for the Big 10, but we'll have to ask him fellow Hawkeye fan. Uh evening fellas, I can still hear Mike Shanahan telling the guys in 1998, you guys want to be a 500 football team in training camp. That's the way this team is going to be. Yeah. I, uh, Mike Shanahan, uh, definitely a good one. Um, And also Travis coming back in saying it was sad how bad our Hawkeyes played in the big 10 championship, Nick, the offense did nothing. It was a, uh, a lot of my hair turned gray this weekend from watching offensive <laughs> offensive football, uh, for my teams, but you know, what can you do? That's why we have this platform that we can come out here and have a big old cry together. Right. I haven't, I'll, I'll cry for super chats, no doubt about it, but, um, haven't cried on here yet, but uh yeah, Travis, it's, that's okay. I'm excited to play Kentucky in the, uh, Gosh, what is it? The Citrus Bowl should be a good game. That was Michigan, Alabama last year, and that could be the uh, championship game this year. So we'll see. There you go. Um, Who knows? The Hawkeyes won't be there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let's get into it a little bit. Thank you so much for the comments, Travis, and the support. We appreciate Uh, you. Pleasant surprise and biggest letdown. Uh, So far this season, you came up with a topic, so I'll give you the floor. Uh, What what are your thoughts here? Uh, Lead us into it.
2: Okay. Well, do we want to start with the bad and go to the good or good to the bad?
1: Let's do bad first.
2: Okay. Uh, I'd say... One of the, the disappointments for me this year, we've talked about it a little bit on the show before, Noah Fant.
0: Yeah.
2: It just I, I really thought he was going to emerge this year. He came into camp just as as ripped as he's ever been. Uh, just looked like he really spent the off season getting himself in the best shape of his life. And and I know he did have have a lot of off season or off the field issues that showed up in his life that he had no control over. And and so I, I do get that side of things. But there's just been so many plays that if Noah Fant makes either the block, it turns into a big play, or if he just makes one guy miss, it turns into a big play. And he's just not quite been there. It's just right there on the edge of being something great, and he can't do it. and i'm I'm not giving up on the guy by any means. I mean, he's still a very talented guy. and and I think depending on the new staff that possibly comes in and new quarterback, I mean, they could really get the most out of him. And, and there's been times where he is wide open. And I kind of wonder a little bit if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't trust him anymore. With just how things have played out a little bit. Maybe that, that's what we've seen happen a little bit. But uh, no, he's just been a little bit of my disappointment this year.
1: Yeah, we got a bunch of people coming in. So howdy to all you guys. I was flashing some names up there and we appreciate all of you. Tommy Simmers in the house too. Colin Wood. Great to see you. Um, we got Wayne coming in too. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Wayne. Hope you're doing well. Um, For me, my biggest disappointment, you took the one that was the most obvious to me. I think Noah Fant (laughs) would be the guy. Uh, Third year as tight end. A lot of space to work with the weapons they have. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, if he's checking it down, that means there's opportunities for yards after the catch. And Teddy Bridgewater has been not doing a lot, or uh, excuse me, uh, Noah Fant's been not doing hardly much of anything after the catch this season. I mean, gosh, how many missed tackles has he had when they've schemed it up? It's a defensive back versus Noah Fant. You know, a five foot 10, 195 pound dude versus your six foot five, 250 pound tight end. And he gets downed immediately, like tackled immediately. So it's just, uh, he's definitely been disappointing for me. Um, A guy for me who's been somewhat disappointing this year since you took the obvious one. And we got stars coming in here from Dave Glassman. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, we appreciate you coming in morning and evening. Uh, always consistent, a uh, big supporter for us here in Mile Huddle. We appreciate you, Dave, so much. Um, Somebody who's been disappointing for me this season is Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris is one where I was hoping to have you paid him a pretty good contract this season. You know, you had the off season prior where uh, he came back on the one year deal and George Payton identified him as somebody that they were worth bringing back Gave him a three year deal and haven't seen Shelby making too much of an impact game to game. Uh, The off the defensive line in general has been getting uh, displaced in the run game. Pretty typically, and uh, Shelby Harris has also been not getting much pressures and the, the balls batted down. Like you typically say, I know he had two big plays in that Cleveland game. I think maybe even the same series where, he, uh, or a couple different series where he had a blocked field goal and uh, forced a pressure to cause an interception. But Shelby Harris has disappointed me this year. Um He's not really creating much splash plays on that interior defensive line. And he's needed to, especially with Bradley Chubb getting injured with Von Miller on the move. Uh, you needed Shelby to step up and make plays. And he just, Team hasn't. So I've been, I've been disappointed
2: with Shelby. And that's, that's
1: that's a hard one for me, right? Is there anybody else that you want to say disappoint you disappointed you some?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there. Kyle Fuller has been very up and down all season. I mean, he has been the cornerback. Everybody is attacking. It seems like Malik Reed for being the guy that everybody hyped up of, you know, he led the team in sacks last year and, he is he's a team that teams are targeting big time especially in the run game. I mean just run it at Malik Reed you're picking up 5 yards. And it's just that simple and he just he's proving he's a better backup than he ever is a starter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and a couple other that uh, stick out to me um I see some comments so Shelby's been great. Shelby's been he's he's been okay. Um I would guess that his uh his pressure rates and whatnot are not in the top 10 and you talk about the guy who's getting double and getting attention is Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones has been one that has been, uh, I think he's top 10 in the NFL on pressures, uh, even coming out of this last week's game. And it seems like a lot of the attention is being put on him in pass protection or in, in by opposing teams' pass protection. So I think Shelby next to him should be doing a little bit more impact uh, than he has. Another guy who's disappointed this year has been Garrett Bowles. Now, I know he had the injury and then he had the sick little bug, but last year he was playing as a top 5, 10 left tackle in football. And this year, while he's not terrible, uh, he's definitely closer to league average. So I've been slightly disappointed there, more so yeah. in the run game than anything. Um, but c- given the contract, especially the bump it's going to have next year, you hope he'd be better than what he's shown this year from a game-to-game basis.
2: Yeah. I, I like the last name on this one, Deontay Spencer. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> they should pretty much tell that guy, if it's a kickoff, please just let it bounce into the end zone if you possibly can. Do not return this. I don't care if you are starting at like the zero yard line. Just let it go into the end zone. I I promise you we will get better yards. And then, you know, what he did there at the end of the half in this last game when they had about, I don't know what, 17 seconds left. And you got, got one timeout. So you just want to be able to have him fair catch it, throw up one big pass play, hope you can get a timeout and maybe get a field goal out of it. What does he do? He runs around and uses up all of the time, making it completely destroy why you called the timeout in the first place to get the ball back there at the end of the half. And I'm not saying the Broncos would have scored points, but it, it's just those kind of things where he's just not thinking through what is best for the team. He's thinking through what is best for me to go make a highlight play. Yeah. And And that kind of selfishness, I hope that he is not our returner next year.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, I think I do have one more here after reading the comment section. This one kind of came to meet my head. Uh, we got Dave Glassman saying no offense to the rest of MHH crew for pure content and intellectualism. Nick Kendall is my favorite. Well, um, <laughs> we're going to need to scope out, uh, paying out here cause my head is getting absolutely massive. Uh, thank you so much, Dave. Um, I do not deserve that level of praise, but, uh, I will certainly take it. And, uh, that that's re- that's so nice of you to say. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't have the title as far as being the nicest person though. That'd be Carl. So I better to be uh-huh. kind and smart. So <laughs> uh, thank you, Dave, but I got to push that off. I getting compliments myself. I like to act like I get them, but then I get really uncomfortable and flustered. So um, for me, another guy who's disappointed and this is for the chat kind of making uh, this a little bit tongue in cheek, but disappointing who's somebody who's had all off season. You know, they were talked about, Oh, it's really close. This guy might get some work. And then every chance he's had this season, he's looked pretty poor. Drew
2: lock. Yeah.
1: Drew lock. He's been disappointing. (laughs) Um, I know that it hasn't been very much uh, reps for him, but I, you have to question the situational intelligence with him, uh, going out there, especially in that chargers game, Teddy Bridgewater, definitely, definitely a massive, terrible game against the chiefs, but we have the season long sample size with him. Um, and for the most part, he's been a league average starting quarterback compared to his peers this season. Just, just is not the chiefs game. He was terrible, terrible in the chiefs game. I need to emphasize that getting this close to the mic. Uh, so you guys know I'm serious, but drew lock has been disappointed in the limited reps this season. He was supposed to be neck and neck with Teddy. The sample sizes that we've seen this season, granted small. I mean, just, just dreadful. Uh, so I don't know if that's, if he's in his own head or whatever's going on here, but uh, he's been, it's been unfortunate. Yeah. And I've been disappointed. Cause I mean, you with him being a, with two years left on his deal, the arm talent that he has, if it clicks, you know, you'd want to see that, but he has to make the most of his opportunities and has not.
0: Right. Period.
2: And, and the best way to make the most of your opportunity is to play smart on the field, not to try to go make the big play, but play, but make the smart play. That, that's what coaches respect. And then they want to give you more opportunities to go out there mm-hmm. and, and make smart plays. You know, I, I don't think Teddy comes back into that game against the Chargers. If Drew Locke is looking very competent and looking like he's running things pretty well.
1: Yeah,
2: I think the coaches got really scared. We're like, oh, my gosh, he's going to cost us this game. And we're like, I don't care, Teddy, if you're on one leg, you're going to go out there and play. And uh, so, again, I mean, Teddy is not the answer. I agree with Jay Stilos here. It's true. He's not the answer. The quarterback for this team is not on this team. That's just the the reality of our situation right now with this. And it, it sucks. It really does. When you look at the rest of the division and they all have their quarterback figured out, and now they can just sit there and say, okay, let's figure out everything else. I can tell you figure out quarterback. You can't hardly figure out some of the other things. And, uh, and so hopefully this off season, we'll see what George Payton can do. He worked magic this last off season, So maybe he can do it twice in a row.
1: Yeah. And I just got to say, I mean, for everybody on there, I was so ticked off at Teddy, this last Kansas city game. Cause he was the main reason they lost this game. He was dreadful. Yeah. Um, I think that he only had one pass beyond eight yards until past garbage time. Um, just, just dreadful. Uh, he, he was the main reason they lost that game. Um, so, uh, you know that. Hopefully, they'll get another chance of them with meaningful football in that week week eighteen game because that was definitely on the lower end of the bill curve for the games he's had this year. Yeah, we got Colby coming in here. Thank you so much, Colby. Um, I'm assuming Stars uh, said remember we when we had Trendon Holiday or <laughs> however you spell his name. I think he spelled it right. Um, I yeah, missed that excitement. So. Um, double ended excitement on that one, there, buddy. Um, it was. <laughs> the abject horror sometimes when he was fielding catches or making decisions. And then uh, the pure excitement, you know, when he'd make some explosive plays, it was excitement, sometimes uh-huh. not the good kind.
2: Uh-huh, yep. He could win you a game and lose you a game as a punt returner. And, and yeah. not very often you get to say that about a guy, but he just, you closed your eyes as he was returning it or as he was catching it. And once he got it in his hands, then you're like, okay, let's see what happens here. And usually it was magic once he actually got the ball in his hands and took off, but oh my gosh, it was, it was pretty scary watching him catch a football.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree with you. Uh, we got Andrew Baker coming in saying, should we run the wheels off Melvin the rest of the way to boost stats and better his trade value? Seems like Pookie and Boone is the future. Go Nick, Scott, and Carl. Um, Melvin Gordon's not going to have trade value because he's a free agent at the end of the year. Yep. So uh, you can argue that you want to maybe use him Um, to protect Mike Boone and Javante Williams, but you're in the midst of a playoff run right now. You're six and six with everything you want still in front of you, still within your control. Um, So they're going to go with the best guy. And uh, maybe your argument is to use Gordon more so in other cases, or maybe even use more uh, personnel packages where you use multiple backs on the field. I don't advocate for that. Um, Not in this economy, even though you have two good running backs, you know, that's you're taking a better pass catcher off the field or blocker in that situation. But um, you have three very good running backs. It's a good problem to have. It's one position. Yeah. Knock on wood. Everyone. It's one position where the Broncos have not been super ravaged with injuries this season for this is the first game this last week, the first game where you lost a running back to injury. So, uh, I'm feel very good though. Mike Boone yeah. limited action. Very excited about him. You know, everybody freaking out. Yeah. Oh, why would you let go of Philip Lindsay to have Mike Boone out there? It's like, well, I think you right can there. maybe see why if you watch the tape, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, a little bit of a yeah. curmudgeon who likes to be, uh, against the curve on that kind of stuff. But, uh, he-
2: he uh-huh. did win an award this week. Angry run. He wrote, yeah, angry runs. Him yeah. and Quinn Miners winning that that trophy. So now the Broncos have two for the year. Uh, two and a, half, of winning two
1: that,
2: and a half? Two and a half. I oh, yeah, Quinn Miners yeah, we'll 20. take it two and a half. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it to Quinn Miners. And, and you got to love Quinn Miners doing that on that play. Just oh, yeah. a, just that non-quit attitude of his. And we got Stone uh, Carranza coming in here with more stars. Thank you so Thanks, much for Stone. that. Really, really appreciate that. And Malcolm Brown from Alaska coming in with a super chat saying, let's draft two quarterbacks. Hey, you know, more more darts at the board. And really, this draft class is kind of a hit and miss. I, I don't know. There might be a guy that really emerges from this draft, and it might not be even the first four or five guys taken off the board.
1: Typically, when you see two quarterbacks drafted, it's because there is some dissent um, in the decision makers going on where the head coach uh, or quarterback coach or offensive coordinator has a guy and then the front office has a guy. Um, So I don't know if that would be a good thing, because I think that would point to some disconnect with the decision makers. But I I don't think it's a terrible strategy either, especially in this draft. You took one day two uh, and then took another one day three that had tools. Um, I don't think that would be the worst strategy when you're dealing with excess capital like the Broncos are right now. Uh, a couple guys that I like late in this draft, I'm, I do tend to gravitate towards the tools uh, based on the tape and where we sit. You know, I'm not getting a, sit, a chance to interview these guys. I don't know their intelligence. I don't know their uh, character or their work ethic, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Hendon Hooker for Tennessee, um, he was a transfer from Virginia Tech. Um, he tends to sail the ball a lot, which is an issue, but there's a reason that we're talking about him being day three in a quarterback <laughs> class as weak as this one. Um, but uh, he has a lot of tools scares me a little bit because he's in the same offense that made people think Drew Locke was going to be a first-round quarterback in Heupel with his junior year, and then um, Drew Locke regressed a lot going to that. I think it was the Dooley offense his senior year. Um, but Heupel is now the head coach of Tennessee, and Hendon Hooker put up some good numbers with a simplified offense, but still good numbers with traits in that offense. And then uh, Caleb Ellerby. I am so excited for Nevada versus Western Michigan because Carson Strong versus Caleb Ellerby might be – the best quarterback matchup in the bowl season this year. Oh, here we go. Uh, uh Caleb, there we go. Caleb Ellaby. So we got CC coming in here talking about it. That might be Carson strong versus Caleb Ellaby might be must watch TV for a Broncos country. Yes, who who would have yes. thought West Western Michigan versus uh Nevada.
2: <laughs> you know, that's, that's the great thing is, uh, you're finding quarterbacks all over the place these days. It's not just the major colleges. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've emphasized this before of if I'm talking to a high school prospect that's looking at a college, go someplace you can play. You know, go to a Nevada where you're going to be able to start right away instead of sitting behind three other five star recruits that you're probably going to be transferring, just like we saw with the kid from Ohio State. You know, I, I understand it's really cool to get those kind of offers and things like that. Um, you know, I know we're getting off track on, on this kind of conversation, but um, yeah, this is like I said, this is kind of a weird quarterback class. There, there's some deep names that you kind of like that have some tools that maybe you could develop but nobody at the top that just makes you go, I have to trade up for that guy. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah, we'll see. Um, I did a radio hit piece with uh, Ben Albright and Ryan Edwards today, and they asked me, like, what would be your strategy in drafting the quarterback? And I told you it on here as well. I have six guys who I think are all pretty much stuck together, and I want to use the same strategy that I said they should use last year with the running back position. You have a tier. Take the last guy on the tier. Um, You don't want to be the first one to start that run, but if there are six guys you like, be the six team to take one yeah. of those guys on that tier. Um, Cause that way you're using the lowest resource possible to get that guy that you still like. Right. So um, that that's where I sit right now. Um, obviously things will change as we get more information and work on more tape. Uh, hey, MHH fam coming in from robot of doom over on Twitch. Shout out to our Twitch folks uh, have some kind of bad personal news. My uncle has the bug. Gosh, damn it robot. Um, and it isn't looking good at the moment. We're not sure if he can make it through the night amazing community can pray for us. Uh, it would be a lot, um, a lot of hearts. Thank you. Well, guys, uh, make sure you're sending your positive vibes, thoughts, prayers, you know, whatever you, you have, uh, to robot of doom and his family and his uncle, um, to pull him through at this time. Cause man, that is, that's rough, man. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that for sure. That sucks. <sighs> well, um, hopefully we can be here to at least give you a little bit of escapism. Um, when you're going through this as well, but the, definitely you have our thoughts and we'll be checking in at some point soon. Um, yeah, kind of threw me threw me for a loop there, um, getting me off, but uh, hope you're doing well. And we got Trevor saying, Come in and praying. Um, here we go. Uh, from BX saying, Nick, how do you talk to Ryan? He's a Teddy apologist. You're talking Ryan Edwards. Um, I, I don't know. I like Ryan, he's nice and I like Ben too. I don't have yeah. many issues with people, uh, in. In the world and in Broncos media, I think we all want the same thing. It's like the same thing with um, politics right now, maybe not to the same extent, but like, you know, it's like, what's the most important thing? We're all cheering for the Broncos to be good, even if we have different opinions of how to get to the end goal. You know, we want the same thing in our hearts, most yeah. for the most part. So I think that's and the most important thing with this Teddy Drew, whatever thing. Like, we <laughs> want Broncos to have a good quarterback. That's the big thing.
2: Yeah. And, and I'll give you a little hint and some of the back behind the scenes stuff with Denver media. Most everybody gets along with everybody. Like it, it might look like there's some infighting and things like that, but most of us all get along pretty well and talk to each other on different occasions. And uh, you know, I, I recommended you know this off season when we're having kind of a slow time, have a dance off between all the different Denver media groups. See who can win that. I'm, I don't think we're going to do well. I don't know if we have any good dancers. Maybe Scott. I think he'd probably be a pretty good dancer. Scott has but some moves. Yeah, I don't doubt that.
1: He was uh, he was practicing them after his uh, Braves won the uh, World Series. This year, <laughs> um, we got Josh King coming in with a question of uh, this one. Actually, it sticks out to me because I was talking with somebody working for the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes, and I was asking about this and uh, new information. So yes, um, our Josh King comes in and says, "I'm old or <laughs> question mark. Uh, I remember being taught to put your heels on the ten yard line if." over your head, let it go. Our special teams is terrible. Um, That rule has changed uh, a little bit since the advent of the rugby-style punters with all that back rotation. You see balls tend to cream away from the end zone in that situation. So, uh, now the rule is uh, heels on the eight. If it's over your head, you let it go. Um, If it's in front of you, you go. So, uh, not the ten anymore. Typically, it's the eight. And uh, stuff, I never even, you know, I've heard that before. It never really stuck out to me. But then, just recently, I was talking to a coach, and I was like, oh, Good to know. That's that that's why they do that. So yeah, good to see. Uh Michael Ronquillo coming in with stars, I'm sure. Michael Ronquillo is one of the kings of the stars up there. Uh, very consistent with us, always super appreciative that he reaches out after the shows on Twitter and says what he likes about the shows. So that's really yep. nice, to you Michael. We appreciate you. Uh Michael says Justin Simmons was nominated for the 2021 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award for the third consecutive year being the Broncos nomination. Go Broncos from Tucson, Arizona for life. Thank you very much, Michael. And yeah, we talked about that. Um, earlier on, man, Justin Simmons, you know, there's a little bit of a debate about like, was he worth getting that big contract? How, how important is it to pay a safety? That kind of money is he impactful enough from the safety position to be talking about him as being one of the best safeties in the NFL are worth being paid the best safety money. But it's the entire package for Justin Simmons. It's not that he's just a very good, uh, a level player on the field. He does every single thing you want from a player off the field. Super intelligent, super well spoken, uh, very works with the Boys and Girls Club in Denver. Um, every single opportunity to for charity or to give back to the community and put others first, Justin Simmons tends to do that. So, uh, you know, you, we can criticize him on the field and because the tape's right there, right? He makes mistakes dropping picks, sometimes the tackling's not the best, you know, give or take here plays. No questioning that man's character, he deserves the three time nomination in a row. Uh, what a, what, a, what a heck of a person. Um, very happy to have him representing the city and, uh, being a Denver Bronco.
2: Yep. And, and you talk to anybody that's actually met him in person and they're like, yeah, he's just, he's that genuine of a guy. He's not just doing it for show or anything like that. So I uh, really appreciate again, just him being a Denver Bronco for so many different reasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He is. He's amazing. Uh, he's a great player. And I like it that he's playing better recently, uh, because it's tough to be super hard on him uh, with the contract and everything, because you know what a, what a good person he is off the field um, and a leader in that locker room too. Um, I guess you would call it off the field, but like different kind of off the field community versus in the locker room. Uh, Trevor Sandal coming in here saying, Nick and Carl, your thoughts on Cliss's comments about the Broncos, if they should be targeting Ben Roethlisberger next year, is this likely? God, I hope not. You, <laughs> Yeah. You would talk about everything I just said about Justin Simmons being amazing if they bring in Ben Roethlisberger, it's like the opposite of that. Big Ben is not known to be a very good person. Obviously he's had multiple issues off the field and uh, his game is regressing a lot. I know he's a hall of fame quarterback. No doubt about it. He's been great in the NFL for a long time, um, but he looks like he was washed last year. And I know they just won that game, but it's was like 19 to 20 led on the Steelers defense. I want no part, yep. no part of Ben Roethlisberger in Denver.
2: Yeah. Wait no me, me there. <clears throat> <laughs> There's a lot of, There'd be a long list of quarterbacks before I ever got to Big Ben. Yeah, honestly, I'd rather have Teddy back than Big Ben. Yeah, that, that's where we're at. But uh, we got Cody W coming in here with the super chat saying, uh, "P.S. Two could really get that uh, that Roddy with uh, roo- oh year. sorry rookie of the year. Yep, sorry, my bad. Uh, I'm used to seeing it in capital letters. Yeah, yeah, my for bad. sure. Yeah, with Lions game. That's my excuse. Well, you know, if he goes out there and has another. If he can get another about two or three interceptions this season, he's he's going to be up there. I still think it's going to be tough because cornerbacks just are not recognized. Uh, Champ Bailey, when he had mm-hmm. his big 10 interception season, and I think he had more interceptions than catches given up for the year. I think was that the 2005 or 2006 year? Yeah, still didn't win defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you can't do any more than that as a cornerback than what he did that season. Yeah. And yet he still didn't win.
1: Yeah. It's too bad that they, and they don't have any NFL is all about these awards, you know, participation trophies. They should have an AFC and an NFC offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Um, We need to celebrate this. And it also create more interest in the teams, more teams to be excited about stuff and stuff to talk about with the NFL draft. I don't know why they don't do this already um, with that kind of thing. Obviously there can only be one league MVP, but with something like that, why not give it an NFC and an NFC uh, designated one? So Patrick Sertan, be the AFC one at this point, um, but because there's only one award and because NFL voters still are overly romantic, romanticized with the linebacker position and the gosh damn stupid cowboys, it's going to be Micah Parsons. It'll be Micah Parsons. And you know, he deserves it too. He's been incredible this year. Yes. Um, his pressure rate has been amazing. Uh, if you guys go back, you know, I said, oh, off linebacker, maybe wouldn't use a top 10 pick on that. Micah Parsons, the edge rusher. Maybe we have something there and he's been <laughs> incredible. Off the edge, so good. Um, obviously playing off ball linebacker too, and they have Randy Gregory and Dexter Lawrence. There's going to be some reps for him as a Mike in that as well, and he's an incredible sideline to sideline. Uh, but uh, it's it's going to be Parsons Award. We appreciate the optimism, Cody. Um, but it's just there's too much. It's a typically it's a linebacker or a pass rusher award, right? Like sacks or tackles. Even though tackles are a terrible stat, um, <laughs> as far as uh, evaluating who's making a positive impact on the field, and also right. he plays for the Cowboys people aren't watching the Broncos right now. They saw the Broncos on Sunday and the defense played great, but Patrick Sertan didn't have, you know, two pick sixes kind of thing. Right. And that's, it's going to be Parsons unless yeah. he does something abhorrent, which that's one of the reasons he fell in the draft. But um, I, I doubt that's going to happen.
2: Right. All right. Well, we got Shandy Bracy coming in saying evening priests go Broncos called the angry runs our shining light of the chiefs game. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, Yeah, I I would, I would say the shining light was the defense making Patrick Mahomes look very, very human in that game. I'll go specifically the back seven.
1: Um, I think uh, Kenny Young had his worst graded game via pro football Focus's grade this season. Um, I think he had like a 26th grade, which is terrible. And he was bad, really bad in the first half. Also think it's kind of funny. Kenny, the Bronco or pro football focus just did their top 75 free agents this upcoming season. You had two linebackers for the Broncos in that list. Neither of them were Kenny Young. So uh, Kenny Young's been solid for the Broncos, but I think that people are a little bit eager to overstate his impact in comparison to the guys that he replaced. Alas, Um, Billy Ray Valentine coming in here saying, do you think Matt Ryan would be available after this season? His contract would be interesting to work out. Uh, if If I were in charge of the Falcons, I would be doing everything possible to move on from him. Um, because I don't think this, and it's, it's not Matt Ryan's fault. I think he is starting to dip, but it's because that Falcons team, I mean, watching them, I'm going to be talking with Scott tomorrow on his channel. Uh, you guys can join us tomorrow at, uh, 8 a.m. Yes. 8 a.m. Uh, mountain time to talk a little bit of Falcons and draft, but like they're they their coverage guys outside of AJ Terrell, bad, their defensive line, bad, their offensive line, bad. Like, and you have three years now to maximize it with Matt Ryan. It's not happening. Two years with Matt Ryan. Sorry, Scott, two years. It's not happening. Move yeah. on. You should move on and get what you can and start that rebuild now because it's it's just it's just not gonna happen. And I feel bad for Matt Ryan in that sense, but like they the Falcons are
2: terrible around him. They just yeah. they just are. Like I said, that contract, it's gonna be tough to to figure that out. They just need but, to eat the money. Yeah. I know
1: they already have a lot of dead cap, but like it's just like take your poison pill now. I mean, if if I was the Falcons, I'd be looking at that 2023 class and like I have to finish with a top three pick. Will Anderson, mm-hmm. the best pass rusher since Miles Garrett, or one of those top quarterbacks giddy up let's let's get there um but that's just me i don't mind biting the bullet and sucking big time if you can get that kind of guy yeah um cody w it's just one year right it's one year versus a decade uh cody w saying what about offensive rookie of the year you think pookie is in it um no it's not unless unless he goes absolutely ham over these last few weeks possible but right now it's either mac jones or jamar chase both those guys are playing incredible football i know that mac jones only completed two two passes yesterday, but uh, he's been playing good. And it's typically a quarterback award. Um, And Jamar chase has been incredible, even though he's dropping a lot of footballs, right? Again, that's kind of it's rear in its head again, but uh, it'd be one of those two guys, I think.
2: Yeah. Again, those are the, I don't know, sexy positions of the offense, of course. And it's hard to beat a rookie quarterback. Yeah. They they could play average. And for them that that's for a rookie of the year, you're going to get it because you're going to be the talk of the town. Mac Jones playing for such a prominent program and having a a decent, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's having a decent season, but he's not why they're winning games. Yeah. (laughs) They got a lot of other good things going for him, but we got CC coming in saying a guy that the Broncos should target is Daxton Hill. Uh, what? I think somebody else has mentioned that before. Love his versatility in the secondary. I wonder
1: if CC is, uh, Zan 21 on Twitter, because uh, we talk sometimes. I know, I know you know Zan on Twitter as well, uh, but uh, I love Daxon Hill. Um, he was all over the field against Iowa this last week, and uh, he had a play where it was one that was just eye-popping. Um, he was playing the safety, or he was playing nickel position over the right hash mark, and the Bronc- or the Hawkeyes ran a rub route on like third and four to the flat and get, it, get to their tight end, and Hill comes across all the way across the field to tackle him for one-yard gain. The Broncos need a new nickel next year. They're losing Kyle Fuller. They're losing Bryce Callahan. I don't know if anybody else on this roster I trust to play that slot cornerback spot. Daxon Hill does. Um, he's actually the type of hybrid that Fangio uses. So it's specifically in his Fangio defense. Um he would really uh he would really interest me. He's really yeah, sure. I mean, he's also he's one of the best uh over the last decade, he's one of the highest uh tested safety recruits um that's ever been recorded with his spark score. So you know how Peyton was really leaning into those Ras guys. Jackson Hill is probably going to test crazy and uh, climb up draft boards with that. So we'll see. Um, we do want to get to the Carl, the, uh, the positives um, coming yeah. on here. And we'll let Scott go through <laughs> the, uh, go through the chat here to see if anything else really makes sense here. And we appreciate you guys, everybody joining us today. Um, and Pedro, I know that I want to get those on Pedro real quick. A uh, handful of safeties are better, but you pay top safety money for a top safety play. You don't pay for being a good person, pure PR move. Um, Justin Simmons is Walter Payton man of the year nominee for the third year in a row. He got paid big money, but you know, there's safeties after him. We were going to get paid big money as well. And a big thing with, uh, George Payton, who I guess we can criticize him if we want right now, but, uh, has been retaining your good guys in that locker room, uh, for that for competitive value, you're not overpaying, um, and, uh, rewarding them. And I think that's an important one here. So I get what you're saying, but I think that with the context of Walter Payton man of the year, it's worth talking it in that discussion right now. Um, Okay. So positives here, who has been your biggest pleasant surprises on this team? Now that we are six and six on the season with five games to go.
2: Well, I mean, the entire rookie class obviously has been a pleasant surprise. It's not that they're just being thrown in because there's injuries or anything like that. They're actually playing at a high level. Yeah. But I, I really just want to highlight, of course, I don't know. i there's not even just one that I can really point to and say that's the one that's really going to set this team because there's just so many of them out there that are playing at such a great level for the Broncos. I mean, Cooper looking like he is the best pass rusher on this team right now. How, who would have thought? Of, I mean,
1: Draymond maybe, but
2: okay, okay, but I mean, different. edge guy. Okay, let, yeah. let's just say edge. And for a seventh round guy to come in and be able to do that is just pretty darn impressive. And so uh, like I said, this rookie class has just been a huge, pleasant surprise. It's one of the biggest reasons this team is still winning games, even though they've had all the injuries that they have had. And of course, trading wave Von Miller, all those kind of things. And so just very happy with that. And I, I would say I'll just add another one that I'll let you get to yours. I'd say George Payton has been a real pleasant surprise. Mm. Like I, I expected decent things from him, but there's not many moves that he's made that I can't sit here and say, wow, that's worked out really well for the Bronx. Like all of them have worked out really well so far, other than maybe a couple that you can sit there and say, why'd you do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, um, the biggest one would have to be Quinn miners, um, came into this season saying like, Hey guys, if we don't see Quinn miners at all this year, that's okay. He is coming from division three whitewater, uh, talk about a massive change. That'd be like going, playing, uh, call a uh, ball against middle schooler and then playing college football. Uh, maybe not that big big uh, difference, but like what a crazy jump. And then to have him go from that level to the NFL in a, a, a weird off season as well, uh, with still not as weird as the last off season, but a weird off season as well. And he's been confident out there. Now, obviously we can nitpick some, um, when he gets to the second level or sometimes when he has to move into space, he can be a little bit out of control and not reach his target with a good block. Um, He needs to play with a little bit more control when he's targeting those second level defenders. Um, And he needs to be much better in uh, pass protection. But the fact that he's out there at all looking competent and not only looking competent, but splash plays in the run game um, huge surprise. I was totally ready to be like, okay, well he's going to compete for a spot next year, because you're talking about the very end of the third round for a guy who was always supposed to be a project. So uh, the fact that he's come in and not only looked competent, but been one of the tone setters on that entire offense has been mind blowing to to me. Um, So what a huge positive and surprise. I was totally ready to write him off this season, not long-term, but this season. And he's, he belongs, man. He's, he's really good.
2: Right. And I mean, same with Baron Browning. We kind of said the guy's raw. He needs a year to develop. And yet he's out there wearing the green dot for this team and not only looking competent, but looking like he could be a future long-term answer at the linebacker position for the Broncos. I mean, it, even as a rookie, I'm sitting there saying, yeah, I could see this being a second contract kind of guy because mm-hmm. he's that impactful at the linebacker position. And, and I don't want to pay linebackers usually, but because of his athleticism and what he brings to the table, if he keeps on this path of development, man, the sky really is the limit with that guy. And so, like you said earlier, of the getting the guys who have high athletic profiles that they did in the draft, that's why you can see incredible ceilings for each of these guys.
1: Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you there. Um, definitely both of those guys, Baron Browning is another one who sticks out to me as a big surprise. Um, another one who has been a (sighs) surprise for me in a kind of a negative and positive way has been Kyle Fuller. Um, Obviously you paid him the big contract um, and then he disappointed on the boundary. No doubt about that, but to see him be a healthy, not playing, logging any snaps for multiple games and then stepping up and playing the nickel spot um, this season, which is something he's never played before in the NFL. And I don't know if he played there in college either. I mean, hats off to him, right? That was, this is a team that uh, he's only signed a one year deal and it would have been easy for him to kind of pack it up once it was obvious that he was being displaced on the boundary, but uh, he got his number called and he played pretty well. Um, so far in the nickel, and I know that he's not perfect in the nickel by any means, and that's where a lot of teams are targeting right now, but I think that's also a testament to how good uh, Darby and Sertan have been on the boundary, so Fuller's a positive for me because of his season's path so far and his ability to answer the bell uh, when they said, hey, we need a nickel to come in here, and he's he's played, for the most part, solid there. Not great. You're looking to replace him after this season, especially for what he's getting paid, but I think he's been a pleasant surprise from that uh, nickel spot.
2: I'll give a shout out to a guy that I think took one of the biggest leaps on the team this year. And it doesn't mean that he's playing great, but it just means he took a really big step forward in cushion mm-hmm. I think he went from maybe worst center in football as a rookie. to I'd say he's more middle of the pack this year. And, you know, to, I, I probably couldn't ask for much more from a guy to make that kind of leap. That's that's a giant leap for any NFL player, and doesn't mean I'm still not looking to upgrade the position this off season. I, I want to bring in competition for him, but like I said, he he's made a, a nice step forward that at least give at least gives me some confidence that maybe the Broncos can be okay at that position.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And we got Iron Man coming in here saying, uh, "Will the Broncos get rid of Graham Glasgow, making a lot of money for not so great playing?" Um, I think that after this season, his contract is relatively easy to move on from. So I would expect that to happen. Uh, maybe you could see a renegotiation of that contract to give yourself some flexibility for a guy who has played, can play all three spots along the interior um, and then not have that dead cap hit while retaining depth at the position. But I think it's most likely a move on from Graham Glasgow just with without the contract is set up and the fact that you have, Three to four young guys on the interior that you feel pretty confident in uh, taking the field and looking good. You might, you will need to add depth there again this off season at some point. But uh, feel pretty good about Reisner, Cushenberry, Miners, and Moody
2: as a your core four interior for yeah. 2022. Yeah, like I said, you want to add at least one more guy to get some competition and just add some depth because right now, I mean, Miners played a little bit of center in the off season but he never played that in college. It would make me nervous if Bear ever went down. What are you doing at that position? And so I, I do want a little bit more depth at guys that have some experience for sure at the center position.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a good one. And we got Cody W coming in here saying Anderson was looking good. Uh, Calvin Anderson, he looks solid, no doubt about it. Um, and the limited reps that he had, it's a big bummer that he got injured because I would love to have seen some right tackle reps as well from him uh, just to see how viable he would be. Cause I think that I think he's a true free agent at the end of this year, an un- unrestricted free agent. I don't think he's a restricted free agent. So um, he's one that, you know, between him and Massey, maybe there's only one contract there for those guys. And if you knew that he could play right tackle as well as left tackle, maybe you go, you go in on him, but uh, Anderson was looking good in the limited reps and uh, it's too bad that he suffered that injury. It's not season ending, right? But it essentially was season ending is my understanding.
2: Yep yeah, there's a chance he'll be back after a few weeks here. So that's a a positive, at least if nothing else, he can maybe have an off season that he can get stronger and stuff like that. And and I wouldn't mind the Broncos bringing him back on a one year or two year prove it kind of deal because he is a good swing tackle for the team.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, And finally, unfortunately, I don't want to come back uh, to a negative, but one that stuck out to me here as far as somebody who has, let me down. And I know that I typically do not like to blame players for this kind of thing from happening, but it's like, it's another year. We're in the situation. We are coming up to a deadline where we need to know what this guy is with the direction of the team and that uh, with what they're going to do at that position. It's Bradley Chubb, uh, Bradley Chubb. He, you drafted him fifth overall, you know, sour grapes could have had Josh Allen. Josh Allen hasn't been that great this season, blah, blah, blah. You know, he hasn't been what you'd hope for, for that fifth overall pick. And now you are coming into this stretch run, where your edge rushers have not really been getting after the quarterback here. Uh, pretty recently, Jonathan Cooper has had some high variance games, um, but Chubb is getting a good share of the snaps and um, has not been super impactful. I know he's coming off the injury again, but it's disappointing because you need him and you're going to have to make a long-term decision at that edge rushing position. Maybe as soon as this draft, I mean, maybe you're drafting Chubb's replacement this year. Um, so the fact that he, we haven't even seen to like, know if Chubb, if we want to look elsewhere, because Chubb is a defensive building block kind of piece uh, that's disappointing to me. So uh, that's one that is a, a letdown. It's not entirely his fault. The bone spurs in the ankle, the surgery, blah, blah, blah. I, I know that. Um, but, uh, still, still disappointing. And I'm sure he's disappointed too, right? He would tell yep. you that the same thing and he's working hard and I'm sh- sure he is, but, yep. uh, we need to have good tape out there on him to understand what we're have, what we have at that position and what we're going to do at ed going forward.
2: Yeah. I was going to say the the next six games are, are going to be huge or five games, sorry, five games left. Uh, I'm hoping for six plus seven. Eight. No, <laughs> yeah. Something like that. But yeah, you're right. We we need to have some clarity on that because edge is going to be, it's going to be a priority even if he plays good, but how big of a priority is it going to have to be like, you have to go use that number one or that first round pick on a edge rusher. Do you need to go to free agency and pay big money to bring somebody in? Uh, if he's playing well, then maybe you can push that off a little bit. Yeah. It, it's not as high as maybe a, a right tackle or the quarterback position. It could be maybe three on the list, but all right, we got stone uh, Carranza coming in here again, saying, would you consider giving up Chubb for a strong quarterback? Go Broncos and happy holidays.
1: Where do yes. I sign up? Um, <laughs> yeah. this, point, you know, I get, what's what's a strong quarterback. I guess that is leaving it up for interpretation. Um, like Tim Tebow is strong. I'm not giving up Bradley Chubb yeah. for Tim Tim Tebow, um, but uh, that's one that uh, makes me a little bit concerned. But yeah, Chubb, as important as edge rusher is, it's the second most important on the field, no doubt about it. I guess you could argue maybe cornerback or tackle or a wide receiver, but um, quarterback eclipses eclipses all of those multiple times. Um, so would I give up Chubb for a strong quarterback? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Man. We'd have another chance to get an edge rusher to get a good quarterback. That's that's way harder.
2: And we just want to say we really appreciate the stars that you've provided here tonight. Just uh, it means a lot to us and uh, very much a happy holiday to you and your family during this time.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Thank you so much stone. And uh, definitely get the quarterback. We'd have a lot of fun here in Broncos country <laughs> um, talking about Bradley Chubb here from Cody W saying plays well or not. He's an injury risk uh, with Chubb. Yeah, that's, that's the thing about him, right? He's going to have to play. Uh, better. And he's got to prove it again next year. Luckily the Broncos have another year of control with him. It's just the thing that concerns me. And it's, it's a good problem to have. This would be a good problem, but let's say you invest a first round pick and get George Karloftis at pick 17, right? Just throwing a name out there just out of the hat on no association. Um But uh, George Karloftis and Jonathan Cooper plays great and Chubb is playing great, you know, great problem to have. W- where's the money going, right? Cause you shouldn't let Chubb go if he's playing great, unless you don't believe that he can stay healthy. So Um, he is an injury risk, but luckily we have five more games and next season and potentially a franchise tag after that. If he's playing so well that he's earned that to at least figure out, can he string healthy games together?
2: Yep. And of course, a lot will depend on the quarterback position. If you're paying high money for a quarterback, it could factor into what you're doing at that position. If you're paying a rookie, you can afford to take some risk on a guy that might be injury prone, but all right, we got Herb Davis coming in here saying, question, can we, for once? just draft a talented quarterback instead of getting someone's hand-me-downs one we can keep for 10 years or better. Well, I mean, that's the dream. Every team that that's what they want. The The reality is though, it's, it's harder than it seems. Yeah. I mean, look at the Browns right now. They're having to make a decision on Baker Mayfield. They took him number one overall and he's kind of on that, that edge of, is he worth paying a second contract? Is he not kind of wavering back and forth It is. It's just really, really tough to find one. I mean, Broncos invested a decent draft pick into Paxton Lynch, thinking he'd be the future of the team. Put a second round pick into Drew Locke. It's not like they haven't tried to go in that direction and and find somebody. Just it hasn't worked out yet. And, you know, you, you don't draft a quarterback really high in the draft unless you really believe, hey, this guy is the future of this team.
1: Yeah. I mean, ideally you'd get that, but also it's the context of this quarterback class. You know, you don't have a, even though he struggled so far this season, you don't have a Trevor Lawrence in every single class. You don't have five quarterbacks go in the top 15 picks of every single class. And that just doesn't seem like it's going to be the case this season. Um, So maybe you get lucky and you get a guy day two and he ends up being a Derek Carr or a Dak Prescott for you. Um, You know, that's, that'd be great. Um, I would take either of those guys, especially on their rookie contracts, Um, but it's just, it's hard to do. So uh, ideally you find one draft, but the other thing is with drafting a quarterback, especially this year's crop, you're not drafting any of these guys for what they're going to be in 2022, right? You're drafting these guys for 2023, honestly, 2024, I think two years in the league for any of these rookie quarterbacks before um, I'm starting to really buy in either way. And with the way this roster is built right now, I mean, outside the quarterback position, it's ready to go for the most part. I mean, obviously, it's not a perfect roster, but there's a lot of pieces here. Uh, right, it reminds me a lot of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the year before Tom Brady came in, and you pluck him in, and boom, Super Bowl. Um, so uh, you risk losing a lot of these cost controlled guys over these next couple of years, waiting for that window to open for that rookie quarterback um, if you are hellbent on that rookie quarterback as well. And I still think that's the way to go overall if you can. But you shouldn't turn your nose up at potentially acquiring Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, because that means the next three years are going to be good. I know people want, you know, you want to be good for 20 years, of course, but there's no guarantees. So if you can get a window for three years, you take it, you take it, you figure out the rest later.
2: For sure. All right. We got Clee Torres coming in here with a little bit of humor to kind of close out this evening for us. Why don't you ever see hippopotamuses hiding in trees? Because they're really good at it. There yeah.
1: you go. Hippopotus hippopotamuses scare the absolute bleep out of me. Um oh, and have you ever <laughs> seen one of those guys swimming in the the swimming in the water and ch- chasing down one of those boats? Hell yeah. no. Hell no. God, it's gators, uh lions, all those guys. They get a bad rap. Hippopotamuses, best PR agent in the we're talking about Justin Simmons being a PR move. Hippos, baby hippos, those things grow up to be cold stone killers. Absolutely not. <laughs> not for me. I, I don't, I'm not messing with no hippos. Hard pass unless they want to come play on the defensive line. Then I'm in. Um, I do also like the videos when they crush those watermelons. That's always a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, any other uh, positives that you are interested in as uh, before we get on out of here? Some guys who have been pleasant surprises for you.
2: Well, I, I'm trying to think here. Of, I'll of give one. Uh, one Pat,
1: that... Patrick Sertan, Patrick yeah. Sertan this early. I mean, we saw it last year. We had two cornerbacks drafted in the top 10 in uh, Jeffrey Akuda and CJ Henderson. Both those guys have looked really not very good. I mean, Okuda was the number three overall pick, even not, you know, back end of the top 10. And uh, Patrick Sertan has lapped those guys with how good he's looked out there this season. I mean, he's already top 15 cornerback in football and ascending. I mean, he's only 21, 22 years old. So uh, Sertan, even though he had a lot of hype coming in with the ninth overall pick, he's surpassed the hype in my opinion. He's been that good on the field. So uh, pleasantly surprised with how good he already is. I'm really excited about that.
2: All right, I'll throw another one out here, mostly because I just like saying his name because I can say it right. Albert Okowebenam. Okay. Uh, you know, it. It, it's it's always fun to wish, listen every week to them try to pronounce that name. And oh, man, they have an entire week to get one name right, and they can't do it. But uh, we, I mean, we worked on it, obviously, a long time to get it right. But he's he's been more than I ever thought he'd be in the NFL. Yeah. He's actually done well of yards after the catch. I thought he'd be kind of a straight line guy, red zone target. No, they've been using him in third down situations. And, you know, he got hurt earlier this year, so he hasn't had quite as much opportunity, but he seems to be the tight end that Teddy Bridgewater trusts the most. And like I said, he's doing some nice things on the field as a receiver. He hasn't been a complete liability as a blocker, So, like I said, I I didn't expect much coming into the NFL. We all talked about it on this podcast when we were doing the draft coverage. We were mad about that pick. And now I'm sitting here saying, I'm glad I'm eating some crow.
1: Yeah, we're having some Kenny Pickett uh, questions in here, so might as well get into that. Um, Kenny Pickett is an interesting quarterback, but he's got three things going against him that make me a little bit skeptical. And I'm not saying I'm out on Kenny Pickett because I know enough to know that I don't know enough in general, especially with the quarterback. Cause it's so much is between the ears and what's in the guy's heart. But Kenny Pickett is going to be 24, years old as a rookie, um, which is extremely old for the quarterback position. Um, Trey Lance came into the league and he was drafted at age 20, 21. So he's three or four years older than Trey Lance. And Trey Lance is already going to have a year in the league than Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett has already played a bleep ton of games in Pittsburgh. So it's not like he's raw and developing in that sense, he already has a lot of reps. Um, so he maybe there's there's a good argument with his age and the reps he's had. He's already taken a lot of steps forward. There's not going to be this linear growth that you see from other quarterbacks. Um, and speaking of a lot of those starts, Kenny Pickett was not that good before this season. I know he had a really high adjusted completion percentage because a lot of drops last year at Pittsburgh, but uh, definitely not somebody that people thought would be a first-round pick. And finally, maybe this one will get some eye rolls out there, but uh, Kenny Pickett with eight and a quarter-inch hands Carl, um, there have been since 1999, there have been 207 quarter, 227 quarterbacks with their hands measured at the combine following me so far. Okay. Yep. Um, how many have had eight and a quarter inch hand size measured one, one One quarterback. And that's, we're not just talking good quarterbacks in the NFL or anything like that or blah, blah, blah. In the NFL combine since 1999 out of 227 quarterbacks, who have had their hands measured one quarterback has hands that small. Um, and it's not an official measurement yet. So we'll see if what that comes out to be. But for me, um, there are obviously outliers that work in the league. Sometimes that happens, but there is a reason that outliers typically don't work. So it just makes me a little bit skeptical and hesitant with him at this point with all those factors stacked on each other. Um, if he's got the heart and the mind, then, you know, you can say, you know what, I'm F these outlier stuffs. I don't care. He's our guy. Okay. More power to you. But from where I sit, it just makes me a little bit skeptical.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I like Kenny Pickett. And I think if you want day one impact guy, Kenny Pickett's probably your guy. Yeah. If you really want to maximize this roster, like you said, if you're not getting a veteran, Kenny Pickett might be your top choice. Carson Strong could be up there if his knee checks out, but there's some red flags that you got to get checked out for sure. Especially playing in Denver where weather can change week to week like crazy. And he has 26 fumbles in college as well. That's another worry about those small hands. So that yeah. there's there's some things. And each of these quarterbacks in the top of the draft, they have some concerns for sure. But I wanted to get to Cody W here with his super chat. Pookie, limited reps, and still looks like a monster. Yeah. He looks like a star for the future. Uh, I- I've loved watching that guy play. He's been one of the few bright spots of this offense uh, and you know, made some plays that just were not there. And Turned a two-yard run into a 40-yard run, and it's it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad he's a Denver Bronco. I, I was a little leery about trading up for a running back, but so far, he's been pretty much worth it.
1: Yeah, especially these next three years. Um, he's going to be great, but Scott makes a good point here from the Mile High Huddle account saying uh, limited reps might be the reason he looks like a monster right now. He's a rookie, and he's fresh instead of hitting a wall. Um, there's something to be said about that. I remember the year that uh, the Broncos leaned on C.J. Anderson's legs, uh, I think it was 2014, down the stretch. And it's like, oh, my God, C.J. Anderson, uh, Anderson putting up, you know, 20, 30 points of fantasy game uh, per week. And it's like, well, he hasn't been getting any touches, so everybody else is, you know, tired, bumped, and bruised, and this guy's completely fresh coming in down the stretch. Obviously, uh, Williams is not completely fresh, but there is something to be said about having less wear and tear on you, especially now that we're in an 18-game season. Uh, you're going to need to see those guys. So uh, keeping them fresh, I think that's not a not a bad way to go at all.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think you need to have two two to three good running backs on your roster because of injuries, because just guys get banged up throughout the year, and and just because you want to have that 25 to 30 carries a game if you can. You know, it usually means you're winning games, and you can't put that all on one player. And uh,
1: Colin Wood's saying, Admit it, Nick, you hated the pick of Pookie at the time. Um, I didn't hate it, but trading up in the second round made me, left me a little bit of a... Uh, uh, what are we? We could have used another pick on a defensive uh, depth player at that point with that extra pick we gave up. But you know, you can go back and listen to uh, Broncos for Breakfast dating back to March, where Scott and I, one of our first shows, talking about how much we liked uh, Javante Williams and thought he'd be a great fit for both the Falcons or the Broncos. One of the first things we talked about on those shows. So trading up for um, him, you know you got to hit on that player. Then it makes it that much more important to hit on that pick, but looks like they hit on it and they're going to maximize that guy on his rookie contract. So we'll see. And uh, also I tend to, I try to do my best to uh, be happy about the controllables, right? And uh, that's something I couldn't control. So we're going to try to look at it as positively as possible and hope for the best, because that's all you can do at this point. And uh, guys talking about being positive, um, we got to get on out here. So i got to go cook dinner for the family. And I know Carl's got some stuff to do as well. So, and we're already at, an hour and eight minutes. So we appreciate you want to give a shout out to Clayton Huron. I saw that his uh, family is sick. i um, dealing with a sick bug going on there. So hopefully everybody's doing better there. And also again, another shout out to a uh, robot oh, wow. of doom over on Twitch uh, with his uncle battling for uh, the night. So hopefully, hopefully we'll hear good news tomorrow, but uh, thinking about both of you guys, we appreciate you. We appreciate everybody in the chat. You guys are great. Um, chat was lively today. And uh, for the most part, pretty cordial, uh, you know, sometimes, Sometimes I'm a jerk and I can flame people up a little bit, but uh, you know that's, that's fun. Um, so we appreciate you guys. Make sure you're following uh, Carl and myself on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler, MHH, and I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following us at BTB football pod, as well as at my huddle uh, guys, holidays right around the season. Maybe you're like me a little bit last minute with your shopping, or you have an incredible wife who uh, is a way better gift giver than you. So you don't have to think about very much, but you still have to get somebody a gift why not get your favorite Bronco fan a something over at huddleuppod.com. We got hats, we got shirts, we got coffee mugs, we got gators, we got sweatshirts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so make sure you go out there and get some of that and uh, share your swag with me on Twitter, you know, add us on Twitter so we can see it and re- reshare it and get some hype on that because they're, they're good looking stuff. I am I love all our hats. A lot of fun. Also, guys, if you're on Facebook, make sure you're joining us at facebook.com forward slash my huddle as well as forward slash my huddle pod. If you are listening to After the Facts or you have an iTunes account, go to Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave us a five-star rating and a review. And we're going to keep reading through those as the shows go along. I'll read another one Thursday morning. Um, and also, YouTube folks, please subscribe, like, and share. Um, I know not everybody, especially this time of year, is in a position where they have, they have the finances to contribute to the show in that way. But if you aren't in that position where you can't do something like that, what you can do is subscribe, like, and share completely for free. And that helps us a heck a heck of a lot. So
2: we really appreciate
1: when you do that. So, uh, Carl, what's the rest of the night looking like for you heading to the
2: gym after this, I was planning on going before the show, but like I said, my computer decided to do the blue screen of death. And so I had to get my computer running just so I could do the show. Now I can go relax, get a little workout in, let off some steam about my computer, maybe dying and have to go buy a new one. But, uh, yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do Then maybe get my living room ready for hanging Christmas decorations
1: there you go now we, we leave on the 15th so uh, we decorated early just so we could enjoy it around the house as well so um, well guys we appreciate you uh, some, some of you I'm sure we'll see tomorrow morning on Scott's channel on YouTube so make sure you go check us out there uh, the rest of you have a great night stay safe choose kindness go Broncos
0: you've been listening to building the Broncos join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going